Hey guys, this is Killstreak. We are up to episode nine. I am Eric Goslin, and who might you be? Are you asking me or the listeners? Uh, well, I was waiting for the listeners to answer me, okay. but since you rudely interrupted them, why don't you tell us who you are? Uh, my name is Mike Price. I'm the other host of this podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. We are rounding out our series on the Blair Witch Project movies. Uh, I recommend that you catch up on the first couple, the Blair Witch Project and Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Today, we're going to be talking about Blair Witch, the 2016 sort of soft reboot of the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Um, Mike, uh, I have I'd actually seen this movie before. Okay. Um, and I remember not liking it very uh-huh. much. Yeah. And then I I put it on this time. My wife and I watched it together again. She didn't remember even watching it the first time. <laughs> she did. I was okay. there. Okay. Um, and uh, really surprised myself. I like this movie. Huh. That is, I wonder if there's something about watching this for a second time, because mm-hmm. I uh, I did not like it. Okay. Um, I will say that, like, it was, it's, it was interesting. It created sort of a, a, like a tricky situation, because throughout the whole movie, I was... I was sort of in a state of suspense, not about what was going to happen in the plot so much as like, will this turn into an interesting movie? Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. like it keeps you on the edge of your seat wondering if it'll ever become uh, gripping or like, sure, or okay. like truly scary. And I think it just like didn't deliver for me, but it was, I mean, I don't know. There's something I don't know if you want to start talking about it now or if we want to kind of get to it in due time, but there's something about, I'm going to go ahead and classify this movie as sort of part of the mumble gore movement. Um, yeah. Because with movies like creep you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we, we can jump, we sort of go more in depth on that, but the director and the writer are like definitely mumble gore guys. Mm-hmm. And those movies, uh, on the whole, don't really work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, I think for similar reasons, I didn't really work for me. Uh, and also, like, there are a lot of other reasons why I didn't really like this movie. But I think the main thing is it kind of comes down to that. I don't know. Do you want to speak to that at all? Do you have thoughts I... and experience with, with mumble gore? Do you want to talk about what that is? Yeah, sure. So mumble mumble gore um would be an offshoot of the mumble core movies Mm -hmm. uh from uh the directors like um joe uh swanberg Swanberg, yeah andrew beljalski the duplass brothers yeah um very low budget character driven quirky like capital q quirky Mm -hmm. uh characters 
for some reason lots of nudity in those movies and sexuality <laughs> uh, they're always kind of like very sexually graphic yeah there's um, i mean it's funny if you if you look up like what is mumblecore like a kind of a definition like one of the things that you come across is like they're very frequently about the personal relationships of people in their like late 20s and 30s mm-hmm. like which is i don't know if that if that lights your hair on fire fantastic but yeah i like some of those movies i've definitely like i like like the duplass brothers mm-hmm. especially the more they make the more i like their things compared mm-hmm. to their earlier stuff joe swamberg i thought uh has done some interesting th- movies um it's where greta gerwig kind of came from yeah um, well and and so there's something there's something that I stumbled on when I was sort of doing a little bit of extra research on mumblecore this week um which is I guess some film critics have decided that now we've we've shifted into post mumblecore okay. Um, so like I for those who are familiar with art, you know, there's like modernism and then like postmodernism. So this idea that like the majority of the kind of original mumblecore directors have since moved on into making movies with larger budgets and a and a larger scope in terms of what they can be about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now movies that sort of get released that still follow that mumblecore sort of aesthetic are referred to as post-mumblecore. Um, and I bring this up because you mentioned Gre- Greta Gerwig, who I think is someone who has, who definitely fits the bill of having moved on yes. from mumblecore. Like, she started in that world. She co-wrote a bunch of stuff. She co-directed some movies, directed some of her own movies, uh, acted in a lot of stuff. But now you look at the things she's been making. Uh, most recently, she had a good deal of success with Lady Bird and then Little Women, uh, which completely unrelated to a horror podcast. But I'll say I watched Little Women last weekend. Really liked it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, strong. My recommend. family watched it without me. <laughs> I got the screener from a friend mm-hmm. and then I was away for like an evening and I came home and my in-laws and wife were all finishing it. I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I would have watched this. <laughs> it was really good. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. it a lot. Um, but this move, like there's something about mumblecore and then, so mumblegore obviously is just a catchy way of referring to horror movies with like a mumblecore approach. Um, and, you know, we can also talk a little bit about this director, um, Adam Wingard. Adam Weingard. Is it yeah. Wingard or Weingard? I don't know. I I've never known how to say it correctly. Wingard, I guess. Um, it like phonetically, it looks like it's gonna be Wingard. Let's... Okay, maybe I always picture it with an e. It's the, is it W I N? It's W I N. Yeah. Wingard. Let's but, let's go with Wingard. Um. Yeah. So he um kind of broke into. Uh. He he is like definitely a mumble gore guy more than anything else. Like some people have kind of dipped their toes in it, but he was always kind of a genre guy in addition to kind of taking this low budget, very talky, very like going for this kind of realism. Um, he made he's made some movies that I like. Uh, and you you alluded to this, I think, last week that you'd enjoyed some of his stuff as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the like the guest I, I really enjoyed, and uh, your next I thought was mostly I liked it was fun. Uh, I, it didn't blow me away like I was 
kind of hoping. Yeah, your next is a movie that he directed. I think it's the same writer. Um, yeah, I want to say Simon Barrett. Yeah, so Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett seem to be something of a package deal, and they uh, directed and wrote respectively Blair Witch and same with your next. And it's a home invasion movie, which I think is. In the last ten years, fifteen years, as far as horror goes, is one of the genre, like one of the sort of I don't know, would we call that a trope, or is that like a yeah, like a subgenre yeah. of films? I, I like kind of started off with The Strangers. Is that was for that, me at least? Was that the first that, one? Yeah, for me that was. I mean, it's not the first home invasion. Oh, movie, not ever. Like horror, yeah, but, but like the one that sort of kicked off the trend for me, which is a movie I really, really like. Um, and then yeah, there was like your next, um, the the French movie them I believe it's called. Um, it, it's a whole rash of them popped yeah. up. Um, and your your next was was enjoyable because it sort of turns the tables um, with the power dynamic and the the woman in in whose home is being invaded or maybe she's staying at someone's house. It turns out to be a total badass. Yeah, capable of protecting herself. Yeah, and I think that that was. Like, I did enjoy Your Next mo- more than most of these movies for that reason. I mm-hmm. do think that this is a subgenre, we'll call it, that has just been beaten to death. Sure, um, yeah. Like, I am so tired of it. And, like, you know, I think I've never watched... I think I watched the first Purge movie. I I've never seen a Purge movie. I yet. haven't seen any of the others. I'm sure we'll we'll handle that franchise at some point. Mm-hmm. Um and I believe they've kind of moved on from straight home invasion, which is, thank God, because, uh, yeah, it's just, there's so many of these. Um, and even, like, the good ones, which are the only ones I sort of go out of my way to watch, like, I, I want to say that um, Hush was one that was... Oh, yes, Hush, that was good. Yeah, that's so. Mike Mike Flanagan. Um, mm-hmm. And that one was done well, but again, it's just, they all blur together for me there's just there was also the one hush is the one where the woman is deaf yes and there was one where um they're breaking into a blind man's house that's don't breathe don't breathe yeah Yeah, that was that was pretty good i don't know maybe i like these movies (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean so it's something when they're done well it was so i read an interview with adam wingard where he basically said that uh home invasion was one of the only things that scared him in the horror genre uh, sure yeah which which is funny because to me that almost reads as like a super bourgeois kind of thing where it's like <laughs> well the only thing that scares me is the idea of my home that i own being invaded and you know <laughs> it's like it's like yeah sure you're you know the you relate to it personally i'm sure as a as a homeowner which uh... <laughs> well i mean there is something just like I remember having my house broken into when I was a kid and there's something that's like, you know, of, of course violating about it where right. you just feel like someone's been in my house and then be, but being in the house while it's happening. It is a scary idea. I think, um, it appeals to a male sensibility. Okay. Uh, in it's a lot like of ways. A protector Ma- kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So I think like, uh, it maybe is one of the few, I mean, honestly, one of the one of the genres of horror movie that kind of specifically 
is scary for I mean I don't know myself personally I don't I'm not usually scared during movies mm-hmm. uh, and there's not a lot that's like really can creep me out but yeah. there is something unsettling about a, a home invasion um, oh so I, I also wanted to th- shout out Ty West who I, is sort of in this mumble gore yeah he's, um, he's made some stuff I like yeah yeah me too uh, yeah, House of the Devil, right? Is that uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah, one House of the I Devil, the Innkeeper, um, Sacrament. I thought was actually was yeah. really good. I too. haven't seen that one. Innkeepers was was pretty decent. Um, but so to kind of start rounding back towards our original topic, uh, the movie mm-hmm. we're going to talk about this week. Um, for me, these this movie really smacked of the VHS series. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is for me, like, uh, so for anybody who's not familiar, VHS and VHS two and then VHS viral, which I have not seen. I've seen the first two, uh, um, same are, uh, it's a anthology of mumble gore, essentially. Um, yes. Kind of a showcase for mumble gore directors. Yeah. And like most anthologies, it's kind of hit and miss. Some are better than mm-hmm. others. But they're the thing that's that ties both those movies together and specifically ties them to this film is found footage as like the approach to how they're shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am just gonna say now that we are rounding towards the end of the Blair Witch series and we've talked about it a little bit, I have decided that I do not like found footage horror. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of it either. Um, there are, of course, same with any genre movies. There are some that stick out above the rest and that are good. Um, but as a genre, I, it's I'm pretty over it. Yeah, I think there's like there's so many hoops that the that they end up having to jump through to justify the use of cameras and and technology and things like this. But then it's also just like, I think you lose a lot uh, when you, when you put yourself in that box. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I am, I like, I have a love for the cinematic, you know? Um, Sure. (laughs) There are, there are, I mean, yeah, probably not a shock, right? We're like, I'm a film major film uh maker host of a film podcast like i love cinema and yeah. i think you sacrifice so much of 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 the kind of what's in your toolkit as a filmmaker when you do this when you do found footage yeah um they're just shots that you can't get there are um scenes that you can't capture um and like it's just it's funny because I, I I don't watch horror non found footage horror movies and go ooh this doesn't feel real enough because it's not mm-hmm. shot on like a shaky camera it's like it you know there's there's an art form to making movies feel real and found footage feels almost like a cheap shortcut to that well they have to rely on a lot of the same tricks in these movies like over and over again whereas something really inventive i mean it just takes a really inventive approach to you know discount this whole theory we're saying that that i'm saying that they like they rely on the same tricks from movie to movie to movie Mm -hmm. to movie you know it it takes one 
one that breaks out of that mold and you're like, oh, this is actually a good use of found footage. But that just hasn't really been the case. As with most movies, like there's most horror movies are not good. Yeah. That come out. You know what I mean? It's true. Um, to to go back to my reaction to watching it the second time, mm-hmm. uh, if if I can, if, if yeah. unless you had more to say, um, so I think the first time I watched it, um, I hadn't watched the three movies back to back like I did this time around, um, so maybe part of it was I had high expectations because I loved the first movie so much, and um, I disliked the second movie so much uh, that this one I had heard was like a total throwback to the first movie and i held that movie in such high regard that i maybe was just expecting more yeah i don't don't know exactly um and so i watched it and i remember being just kind of like oh this is just a found footage movie but i think watching it now for the second time so my expectations were low because i remembered not liking it and then um having watched the first movie so close behind this one um my expectations were a little bit more realistic and I was like, Oh, you know what? Actually there is some really fun, creepy stuff. And there's some good sequences in this movie. I would say where this movie suffers more than even, even Blair, Witch two is not having clearly big characters. Okay. A lot of the characters aren't. Yeah. Like in part, part one, we get like Josh, Mike and Heather. That's all we have. We're they're with them the entire time. We get right. to know them. They feel like real people. And two, we have a whole cavalcade of new people, but they're clearly defined. They have their things. They're super. You know I mean? They're like super archetypical. Yeah. Yes. But but they're like easy to grasp, and you and I think I, I agree with you that you do kind of know what who they are. Mm-hmm. In this one, the uh, the characters aren't. You know, they just don't stick out as much. If that makes any sense, like. I couldn't tell you Lisa's personality other than she's making a documentary compared to Peter. I guess Peter is like probably the easiest one to point Mm -hmm. to because he's aggressive. Yeah. (laughs) And easily annoyed and protective of. Well, it's, you know uh, what? It's funny that you, you bring this up because I'm listening to you say this and I like nodding my head. Like I strongly agree. And that wasn't even something that I was carrying with me as like a reason why I disliked this. And it, oh now, yeah. Okay. And now it's like making me like, dislike it more, even, even less. Oh, yeah. See, that was, I mean, not, not really my intention. Uh, that was what stuck out to me the most this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think in overall, I enjoyed watching it the second time, which is good because I now own it. And so do you <laughs> because on <laughs> iTunes, it costs just as much to own it as it is, yeah. as it does to rent yeah, it. I bought so, this movie for three ninety nine, and I yeah. will never watch it again. I, I'd say watch it again. <laughs> Jess, <laughs> my wife said it was the least annoying of the three. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess what she meant by that was it's the least shrieky. Yeah, I mean, the first one, it definitely, while being good, is a little bit of an assault on the senses. Yes. Um, but uh, I don't know I don't know how you feel. I have a lot of thoughts on this and a lot more things to say, but I, I say let's start talking about the movie. And, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I don't want to blow, I don't want to blow everything I have to say about Blair Witch in the intro. Um, okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break uh, to hear a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to break this movie down. Okay, here we go. Uh, as it's a trope with all of these movies, it starts with a uh, a title card, 
white text on black. The following footage was assembled from memory cards and DV tapes found near Brickettsville, Maryland in the Black Hills Forest on May 15th, 2014. So um, we hear screaming and someone is running up through the house, uh, very similar to the house at the end of the first movie. It's supposed to be the first house. Uh, the house from the first movie. We kept we catch a glimpse of those iconic handprints on the walls. The person's screaming and running up the stairs, and very quickly we catch a glimpse of somebody somebody in the mirror, who may be the Blair Witch. We don't know yet. Yeah. Uh, it almost looks like they don't have eyes. Well, then, but then it's also um, doesn't our quote unquote main character he he thinks it might be his sister, right? He, yeah, he thinks it might be his sister. So um, somebody locks a door, it bursts open, and then uh, the video we're watching stops. And uh, we hear James, who we'll find out is James, say, did you see her? And he rewinds it back to the image in the mirror, which was cool because I the first time it happened, I was like, wait, I think I saw somebody in the mirror right there. Mm-hmm. And I went back and rewound it okay. and paused it. And then and he does. I, even the second time I did this, <laughs> having already seen this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so then... Uh, we meet Lisa, played by Callie Hernandez, um, who I'm a fan of. This is the f- yeah she's she's seen what is it what else is she in? She was in this movie called The Endless. That was the first my first um, mm-hmm. exposure to her. Uh, it's a cool. It's a sequel to a movie called Shit. I always forget the title. It's sort of a soft sequel to um, this movie called oh, Fuck. <laughs> it's about um, two guys who bring their junky best friend to a cabin in the woods okay. and like chain him there to like get him through detox okay. and to keep him in other. That yeah, sounds it's funny. That shit sounds happens. like the Evil Dead remake. Yes, it is a similar um, similar uh, premise to that. And the Endless is mm-hmm. about like this cult, okay. and it has it's a whole other level to it. I recommend watching. It's really cool, uh, and she's great in it. I will say, she does look like if my wife and your girlfriend had a baby. <laughs> She's she looks like a mix of the two of them. You know that's really funny. Uh, I, yeah, I can see that. I think it's also a testament to how hot our significant others are. Yeah, it's true. That is true. Because <laughs> uh, she is she's a looker. Uh, And so are our partners. Uh, Good for us. Right, guys? (laughs) So we meet Lisa. Uh, She's holding a camera on on James. She's filming him. He's watching this YouTube, this video on YouTube. uh, And he thinks that that person may be his sister, um, who we find out is Heather Donahue from the first movie. Yeah. And I'm just going to say something small and relatively meaningless that bothers me nonetheless is that these characters don't use the same names like the naming convention of the first two movies is that all of the actors have the same first names as their characters i know and while this is the case with james it is not with anyone else in this movie yeah it is unfortunate um it would have been a nice little like nod to the previous movies right and my question is just why like why why do these characters need to be named James and Lisa? Why can't they be James and Callie? I don't know. <laughs> I wish I had an answer for you. Yeah, anyways. Um, so he thinks that this person may be his sister. Uh, he found it because he has a search alert set up for her name. And some guy uploaded it onto YouTube and said it was from footage he found in the Black Hills. Yeah. Uh, so then the door opens. We meet their friends, Peter and Ashley, who I believe are a couple. They're a couple. 
Um, and then, uh, uh, obviously, with any of these Blair Witch movies or the two f- the found footage ones, it just kind of just cuts around. Um, so it's a little hard to keep track of. But yeah. we, we cut to a garage. We see all their gear. They're about to go into the woods <clears throat> to shoot this documentary that Lisa is helming about James going back into the woods to find his sister. Yeah, so the, we're we're super meta right from the start here. Yeah, um, and um, um, oh, no, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say they got a drone, they got walkie talkies, and they have these weird GoPro-y like. It took me a bit to even realize that they're yeah. cameras, like yeah. those. They, they look, look like, like Bluetooth, old headsets. Bluetooth headsets, yeah, but which not, I'm sure they are. I mean, I don't know. I think they might actually be because this is this is something I think you see a lot. Like I recognized them from military TV shows and movies and stuff. Oh, is, okay. This yeah, is maybe. this is the technology now where it's just like everybody wears it's it is it's like a one-stop shop kind of thing where it is an HD camera that gives a POV view and it's also a two-way headset. And it's like if you were like on the SEAL team and you were like going in, like that's what they would be watching in like in a control center or whatever. That's cool. I thought it was something they made up for this movie, but I guess I was wrong. Um, So then we cut to Lisa recording temp narration. And she explains that when James was four years old, his older sister disappeared while making a documentary near the town of Burkittsville. Uh, And then we see some... uh, uh, we see some footage from the last movie um, and at basically the very end of the Blair Witch. Yeah. And that's where we find out that his sister's Heather. Yeah. So um, this movie, uh, this, this seems like a good enough time to jump in with, the, uh, in case you don't know, it chooses to ignore the events of the second film. It basically, um, Book of Shadows is now non-canon. And yeah. We, and we go right from the Blair Witch Project to Blair Witch. This is something I usually do in the intro, but I kind of jumped over it because I got so mired in wanting to talk about Mumblegore. Um, but just in case anybody doesn't know, so we have director Adam Wingard, writer Simon Barrett, the original directors of the first film, uh, Daniel Myrak and Eduardo Sanchez, are back on board now to produce this. Mm-hmm. Um there, I think they have executive producer credits, um, but they were part of the pre-production this time around. Um, I think it was a chance introduction between Myrick and Sanchez and Wingard and Barrett that led to this ultimately getting off the ground. It was a movie that was in development for uh, close to six years, I think. Before, oh wow! Um, and you know this happens in Hollywood. It gets stuck in turnaround. There's a script, then they got a new script. There's a director attached, then you have to move on again. There's a lot of stuff with back and forth with Sanchez, Myrick, and Lionsgate. Um, but eventually, uh, they did get Wingard and Barrett signed on, and so this was when it came out supposed to be, or it was kind of pitched as like a return to form, right? Yeah, um, you know, so this is supposed to be something that moves back closer to the spirit of the first movie, and so we immediately we start out with trying to tie these characters into specifically Heather from the first film, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. sort of draw that direct parallel to the first movie. 
So we, it's explained that the area where Heather disappeared was searched by police, but no, no evidence of a house was ever found. And for as long as, as she's been friends with James, he's always wondered what happened to her. That's a huge age difference between Heather and James. <laughs> he was four, and she was, I don't know, 19 or tw- No, I guess 21. Right. 21. They're buying alcohol. Yeah. It's a giant age difference. <clears throat> so uh, she interviews Peter. It's James's best friend. They grew up together. He doesn't really remember Heather, but he remembers the time from when she disappeared because it was so hard on hard on them. Uh, so we're going to go out there and try to find that house. And James has been messaging with a guy on the internet who uploaded the video, and he's going to show them. He's going to bring them through the woods to this house. Um, <laughs> we get a quick cut. We're at a club. Yeah. Uh, drunk. <laughs> Drunken Peter tells Lisa that James is going to, uh, you know, he's going to the woods because he actually thinks his sister's still alive. Um, which, I mean, if that's the case, she's been living there for 20 years. Yeah, this makes zero sense. Um, yeah. And you, I, d- <laughs> no, go it ahead. is definitely a weak part of like, wait, this adult man thinks his sister's still alive after disappearing in the woods? Yeah. What has she been doing this whole time? Yeah. It, it, uh... There's a lot of this. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens here that just kind of like it feels like it's on rails where it's just like we're not going to bother. And I think it goes back to what you were saying about a lack of character development, too, where it's like we're not going to bother to make any of this really make a lot of sense. It's just like, you know, they're going to go to the woods and they're going to run. They're going to get lost in the woods and they'll end up at the house. And it's like, yeah, spoiler. Sorry, everybody. Like. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it all feels very inevitable in a, in, yeah. a, in an uninteresting kind of way. And I think that's, that's what I was responding to the first time I saw it. And the second time I saw it, I was able to just like enjoy it more, have knowing where it goes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe I'm being an apologist for Blair, for Blair Witch. <laughs> uh, so Peter accuses Lisa of exploiting James. Um, and he makes her promise that. You know, film it as a friend and don't use any like really damaging or, or personal footage in her movie. So he's being really protective of Peter. Mm-hmm. Of um, James. We get the. What's that? Peter is being protective of James. I'm sorry, yeah. of James, yeah. yeah we get the uh, patented Blair Witch hungover the next morning. <laughs> Every yeah. one of these movies has this. <laughs> they do. <laughs> we don't have a. We don't have a. Uh, um, a van crash in this movie, though. That's sad. That's yeah. disappointing. I was really enjoying how every single movie we watch, well, four of the eight. As long as each in, series we cover has at least one uh, dumb van crash, I think I'll be. Oh, then, yeah, that's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be batting a thousand on that. <laughs> uh, they, they test the drone out. Um, they Yeah, they test the drone out. They drive out, get to a motel. They're goofing around and drinking. Um, we find out. That I guess this is probably covered in the first movie. I didn't really remember it. That the town was originally called Blair before it was Burkittsville. Yeah, they, I think they touched on it really briefly. That then there was sort of the implication that they renamed the town because of horrible things that happened. Yeah, the whole town was abandoned. Then they rebuilt Burkittsville on top of it. Uh, we meet Lane in his shitty house. Lane is the guy who uploaded the video onto the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, dogs are barking. There's beer cans everywhere. There's a Confederate flag on the wall. Yeah. Ugh. And this immediately, uh, 
touches Peter off. This Peter, we sh- it should be mentioned, is is African American. Yeah, this infuriated me. Um, the Confederate flag. Yeah, and not, not initially. Like initially, I was like, okay, that seems a little cheap to like sort of. I mean, to spoil the the rest of the film's plot, which is again, I always say this, like I don't want to spoil anything. Like fuck it, <laughs> what do I care? You should you should have watched this movie by the time you yeah. listen to this podcast. Um, the the movie never goes back to this again. Peter never. Yeah. Peter neither Peter nor um is it Ashley? Is that the Talia? Tal, no, no, Peter's girlfriend um, is Talia. No, that's Lane's girlfriend. Oh, I'm sorry, Ashley. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So Peter and Ashley are both African American. Mm-hmm. There's a Confederate flag that ends up getting used for nothing other than this quick signifier that there's conflict between them. Which sure. honestly, like of like feels like super cheap and exploitative because they never talk about it. They never address the fact that it's there. There is never, uh, sorry, I hit my mic. There is never uh, a dispute, a debate, a showdown about their potentially racist beliefs or anything like yeah. that later in the movie. It just makes, and the thing that fucking pisses me off about it more than anything is that Peter is written as a shitty sort of aggressive character for this whole movie. Yeah, he is. Um, he's he, he's the first to fly off the handle in almost any situation. Yeah. And it's just, this is the kind of thing where, you know, you'll hear some, like, I think people talk sometimes about, like, you know, if you're trying to inject unearned pathos into a movie, it's like you give a character a dead kid. Right, mm-hmm. where it's just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, he's dark because his kid died, um, mm-hmm. and this this Confederate flag is like that, but it's grosser to me. Where it's just like, if you're not gonna address this at all, don't right. fucking use it, you know? Right. Because there's yeah, nothing I, about I the characters where they like, it, like Lane and Talia. Yeah, I don't know. What do you? Th- I, how do you feel about? It? No, I, I um. It is a lazy. It, it's lazy because it's never addressed. If if um, Lane being racist or something were a character trait, yeah, it's something that should have come up again. It's sort of like you sh- probably shouldn't have put this hot button image right in the movie if you're not going to address it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. It's like it's kind of having your cake and eating it too, where it's like. Okay, we can quickly establish that these guys won't get along, but we'll never really see why. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the kind of thing where you could have covered this in just like a quick argument about something that is not nearly as loaded as invoking the fucking specter of slavery. Like, yes. You know, with a black man present. Uh, man, you're really switching me off, switching me to your side of <laughs> trashing on this movie. But um, it, in. In a lot of ways, Lane uh, becomes more sympathetic than Peter. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's yeah, it's just like if you want, and the, I mean honestly, this is a good way for me to dovetail back into because uh, I in the in, in the intro I started heading towards this, but I never really got to like my big thing with why I don't like mumblecore and mumble gore is because the the dialogue in these films most of the time 
because they they tend to lean on improvisation and there's a looseness to things and in a lot of mumblecore movies they cast non-actors deliberately Mm -hmm. is i just don't think it works that well i think that there is a real art form to writing good dialogue that is interesting entertaining moves a story along there's an economy to it it's like writing anything it's like you know you you write it you edit it you write it you edit it you get it to where it is it says everything it needs to and nothing else and can be quick and entertaining and like these movies do not have that and this movie Mm -hmm. in particular when these characters talk to each other everything feels like fucking it feels childish almost to me where mm. the the way they talk to each other is so broad and the way they like hit on plot points you know it feels like somebody said okay so talk about whatever for 2 minutes but make sure you mention the dv camera you know mm-hmm. and then it's just you just feel this actor like sort of it's like okay we're going to do like some naturalistic conversation and it's going to be about fucking nothing it's going to be boring and pointless and then you're going to feel this obligatory now we discuss the important plot point that was written down and it's right. like, and I don't know for me it's just the whole movie feels like this the none of the interactions between these characters feel natural uh and this is this is this is the first one of the first big indicators of that sort of thing where there's no craft that goes into writing dialogue for these characters to interact with each other. So instead, we get a Confederate flag on the wall to tell us that they won't like each other. Okay. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. Okay, folks. So, unfortunately, <laughs> the curse of the Blair Witch struck. Yeah. And uh, we lost we time. We lost time. We're in a time loop right now because we basically recorded the entire episode and then uh, we lost it. Yeah. So we're back. We lost the footage. We lost the footage. Uh, There's a glitch in the system. Yeah. It is more than 24 hours since you last saw us. Yeah. But for you, no time has passed. Much like Lane coming Mm -hmm. up. Yeah. You still look the way I remember you. Definitely. <laughs> the last thing I remember recording for all you people was me raging on about the uh, poor use of the Confederate flags. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to all those great uses of the Confederate flag. I mean, I think it's a, it's a monument to uh, the uh, history and why erase history. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> okay, <Christ>. so... <laughs> All right, you guys, it is now 24 hours. It's 24 (laughs) hours later again. Uh, Eric and I had a long talk. (laughs) I won't do that anymore. I know there's a bit I already have to cut out of the previous episode that I went a little too far. (sighs) I won't do that anymore, guys. I've changed. Okay, yeah. Please accept me. He's of his ways. All right, so so where were we in our? We were just meeting Lane, and we saw his Confederate flag. We meet his girlfriend Talia. Are you shitting Uh, me? We're this far into the pod. That's it. mm Mm-hmm. Oh my god. That's where the Confederate flag comes in, friend. Oh man, we're the Uh, beginning of the goddamn movie. (laughs) We just talked. We just talked about this entire movie. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. Okay, I promise. What you're gonna get from us on the second time through is gonna be even better. 
Yeah, well, it got pretty heated, too, towards the end of the last episode. <laughs> yeah, the first time Eric and I were, like, arguing about anything. Yeah. Okay, so we found out he's Darknet666, which I think is a great username. Definitely. And uh, he's the one who uploaded that video onto YouTube, and they want him to bring... They want Lane to bring James in, their, in James's crew to uh, where he found the tapes, or they want him to tell them where they found the tapes, but Lane insists on coming with them, and they have sort of a, uh, uh, a discussion, like, oh, should we, should we bring him, should we not bring him? Of course, Peter says no. We should mention, I don't know that we mentioned previously, that Peter and Ashley are both black. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, obviously... Yeah, we covered that. Yeah. We did? Okay. Yeah, but... Uh, so, but they get outvoted, and they bring Lane and Talia into the woods with them. Um, they hike in. Peter gives Lane the third degree about whether or not he actually believes these myths. Peter is, of course, very aggressive. We, I think we said that before. That's his defining characteristic is that he's an aggressive man. Yeah. Uh, and for some reason, the whole concept on if you believe in the myth is a big sticking point for him. So I guess he's sort of a skeptic. It, it, it's strange. Yeah. I don't know that it completely it doesn't... feels... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really make a ton of sense, and I think it's during this debate that he explains that, well, I'll, you know, I was out in these woods when I was, uh, you yeah. know. Yeah, that, that, come, that comes up later, but we can talk about it now. Basically, he, he says that he was searching uh, in the woods after Heather disappeared as part of a search party, but wouldn't that make him like four or five on a fucking search party? Yeah, yeah. It's- <laughs> Which is insane. Yeah. What if he found something? Can you imagine being five and finding a dead body in the woods? Yeah, that's no good. Yeah. Um, so uh, they hike in. Uh, Talia recounts the story of Rustin Parr that we heard partially in the first movie. And I guess in the second movie, this gets doled out a lot. He's uh, the one who killed the kids under the order of the witch yeah. in his head. Sort of a surrogate. Yeah. And James says that Rustin's house supposedly is burnt down. But there are old tunnels that still uh, run underneath where it stood. Yeah. And uh, I missed this line during my viewing of the movie. So I was really confused by certain elements of the climax. And now now it makes a bit more sense to me. (laughs) They uh, walk by a tree that appears to be blasted apart from the inside by lightning. Uh, That comes up later. Uh, So they start, they have to cross the creek with all of their equipment. And for some reason, they don't want to get their little shoesies wet, so they take them off. <laughs> I feel like I'm being more critical this time around. I, 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 let's be clear. I enjoyed watching this movie. Mm-hmm. It has problems. Yeah. And Mike, for Mike especially. Yeah, and for just for like a little context for you guys, I spent basically 30 minutes yesterday just yeah. like, just really hammering, uh, not hammering Eric specifically, but like hammering the movie at Eric to be like, yeah, these, yeah. <laughs> these are all the reasons why this movie is bad and you shouldn't like it. And yeah. I feel like I've poisoned the well a little bit. now. A, a little bit. I, I will say, you know, I, the first time I watched this movie, I didn't like it for much of the same reasons mm-hmm. why you didn't like it this time around. Right. The second time around, I think my expectations were much, much lower. Sure. And I was like, okay, there's some fun, there's like fun stuff in yeah. here. Well, and um, I, and you know, not to like, like this is more of a wrap up thought than anything, but since we're talking about it, y- hearing you say that makes me think 
it, it jives with my idea that, like, the execution here is pretty good. It's, like, a fairly well-made movie. Yes. Uh, and so if you could remove any element of expectation, and I think we said this yesterday towards the end of our wrap-up, that, like, if this was just a freestanding film that was not trying to be part of the Blair Witch lore, mm-hmm. it would be easier to like. Yes. Yes. I do want to touch on that more later. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's 100%. Um, so they take off their shoes, um, and uh, Lisa notices that Ashley, her toes look great. Her toes oh, yeah. look fine. Yeah, we get, a little, we get a little Quentin Tarantino moment here. Yeah, alert wiki, wiki feet. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she asks, did you get a pedicure before you came here? And of course she did, because that's what you do before you go hiking. Yeah. Um, so they're crossing the stream. She just suddenly, like, there's a really disgusting sound. Yeah. And uh, she has a huge, gnarly cut on the bottom of her foot. That looks terrible. Yeah, it looks real bad. I believe yesterday you spent a long and uncomfortable amount of time comparing it to a vagina. I don't think so. That doesn't sound right. No, that's a, that's that, a... that doesn't seem right at all. All right, cool. Uh, not, definitely nothing I would do. And, I mean, if you look at it, it I guess, I guess... <laughs> If I were to, you know, use my imagination, there is something sort of vaginal about the opening, the size, not the size, the, uh, the we shape of the opening. This wasn't supposed to happen again. Oh, it wasn't? I thought we were just going to do a nod to it and then move on. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying, like, I, these are your words. I'm just, I was thinking back about what you're saying. So, anyway. Uh, she has a gash on her bottom of her foot. It looks gnarly. Peter says, it probably feels a lot worse than it actually is, I promise. And no way. It looks fucking bad. Yeah. Like, and, right. And, like, the like I'm, I'm going to try harder on this time through. And also, I think with future movies, like, I don't want to be the auditor of, like, unbelievable plot elements in these, like, Horror movies require a suspension of disbelief, and I yeah, and I know that. But also, like sometimes I just like calling things out. Like this is this is an instance where it's like in an, any regular scenario, she's hurt bad enough that at least some of them would be like, okay, we need to take her back and get her, like, yeah, looked at. Well, you know, uh, there's a difference in. Um, levels in horror movies and i think Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that makes horror movies especially so enjoyable to myself and i'm sure to a lot of people out there is that they don't there are really great horror movies that are wonderfully made Mm -hmm. you know artistic great cinematic and then there are movies that are bad but they're enjoyable right you know what i mean yeah uh this isn't an inept movie it is in it is you know, well made. Yeah. But the story is seriously lacking. Yeah. Um, and I think, that, you know, that's the thing about horror. Like, it doesn't, in action movies too, it doesn't have to be a great story. Mm-hmm. Everything doesn't have to make sense for me to enjoy it. Uh, I would prefer that, of course. Totally. Yeah. But, uh, and especially this is a movie that is is presented in sort of an elevated way. It's, 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 a, it's a hot, up and coming director and writer team. Right taking a crack at a legendary series uh and so the expectations are pretty high yeah and it's another and it's just one of the many ways that it gets to suffer by comparison because the first movie is the kind of movie where they put effort into 
um, making it make sense as mm-hmm. much as you can, you know? They mm-hmm. they work with you and your suspension of disbelief to get you to a place where it feels realistic. And this movie, I don't think, puts that effort in. Yeah. Uh, so they set up camp for the night. Um, Peter has trouble setting up his tent and he freaks out i thought it was a kind of a funny moment i we all been there yeah you enjoyed it and i felt like it was very much uh sort of it was like a microcosm of one of my issues with like mumble core and mumble gore which is just this scene with peter fighting his tent uh to me at least it feels like instead of having character development where we ever understand why he is so aggressive and so frustrated and so angry, it's just like, now we're going to see Peter's angry. So just like get angry and fuck around with this tent for a while. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's a lot of these things where, you know, uh, James is a character who just has so little personality um, yeah, other than he wants to find his sister right. and, I guess, has an attraction to Lisa. Yeah, and honestly, do any of these people really have a personality? Like, Lane is kind of interesting. Um, despite, Talia doesn't really. Yeah, Talia's a nothing. Talia exists to be Lane's girlfriend. Yes. Lisa is nothing. We know nothing Le- about and her. And it's sad because I really like that actress. Yeah. Uh, I've seen her before. Uh, and other things, and I enjoyed her. And I don't know if I mentioned previously that she's in this movie called The Endless, which I thought was really good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's good, but they just don't give her much to do. Yeah, and I don't think. Where, really... Whereas Heather in the original, who she's sort of the surrogate of Heather in mm-hmm. this, um, you got a sense of her personality totally. That she's a little bit pushy, um, you know, a little bit of a control freak. Yeah. And this one, you don't really get much of anything from from Lisa. Yeah. Uh, so they're at, they're doing a weenie roast. Um, <laughs> Lisa pulls her out her camera and starts interviewing Talia about the Blair Witch. We get more backstory about the Blair the Blair the Blair Witch, the Blair Witch, um, about how Ellie, who is the witch, was tortured and shunned by the people in the village, and then people started disappearing, and the whole town fled. And uh, Lane adds that they stretched her arms and legs with heavy rocks while she was tied to a tree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this uh, this is like, some of this backstory is interesting to me. Some of it is maybe like a little bit too, like, blinking arrow sign. Like, like, all this stuff with the stretching is like, I think they did talk about this a little bit in Book of Shadows, right? I don't know that they, they talked... I don't know that they talked about the stretching. They talked okay. about her being tortured. Yeah. They, the, in Book of Shadows, they said that they stabbed sticks, like pull, like sharpened sticks into mm. her side. Okay. And then dipped their hands in the blood and pushed the, their hands onto her body. Got it. To make got handprints. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this, this stuff kind of just, it walks a fine line. And I think some of it works and some of it doesn't. Uh, in terms of like filling out the myth of the Blair Witch, you know, because it's cool to learn more, but it also feels a lot like just over explaining things, over explaining yeah, the, things that were more mysterious in the first movie. And like, this is a perfect example of, I feel like they're trying really hard to be like, you know, the stick figures that you see, like mm-hmm. they're supposed to look like what happened to Ellie Kedward. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'd rather have that be like, 
lightly implied than actually be kind of told that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also hear about if you look directly at the witch, you die of fright. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why Rustin Parr faced people in the corner. Again, to your point, yeah, maybe too much. I yeah. mean, it comes up later. It's They're basically setting up the rules to the last 30 minutes of the movie, or last 20 minutes of the movie Yeah, in this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so Peter gets pissed. Oh, this is where Peter got pissed because he's been in these woods before. Um, and how, how come I turned out okay if I was in these woods? And Lane says, whatever spell the witch puts on you, you have to be out here at night for her to get you. So you have to spend a night in the woods in order for the witch to to get you. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So we, we buckle in for the night. We get a classic nighttime uh, camera being fired up in a dark tent. There's weird noises. Mm-hmm. It's in Lisa's tent. And we hear what sounds like a gunshot and like wolves howling. Uh, there's a jump scare as James opens the tent uh in to get lisa talia calls out lane is missing so jane there's a kind of a funny moment i think peter's the one who answers him where james is like we should probably go out and look for him make sure he's okay and peter's like no (laughs) which yeah reasonable Yeah. yeah yeah uh james goes with talia to search for him there's a bit of searching but then eventually lane just kind of jump scares and pops out of nowhere uh, and he says that he heard weird noises, and that's what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it seems like he's up to something. Mm. The next morning, they wake up, um, and there's stick men hanging from the trees, and they start to freak out. Uh, and then James checks his watch, and it's already 2 p.m. They slept through the whole morning. Um, so he, at this point, even James wants to get out of there and, and says that they should all turn back. So... On the way back, Lisa, they make a big point about how Lane, Lisa notices that Lane, or Ashley notices that Lane has the same camera, somebody notices, as the tapes that were found. So he has the same sort of like late 90s mini DV camera that the tapes from the beginning Mm -hmm. were. They make a big point of that. Yeah. I'm not sure what to make of that. Well, so... Okay, I think at this point yesterday, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. like I'm just doing the beat by beat for everybody who missed this whole conversation. And this that was everybody. Yeah, this this point uh, you and I were talking about launched me off into I don't know 15 minutes maybe of, <laughs> of like complaining about um, how the end of this movie doesn't make sense, which I still feel is true. I I will I will not. I won't rail so much today, but I want to say this. Like, this kind of feels of a piece with what I was saying about the Peter Tent stuff. And I think that maybe this is even more illustrative of, like, when you lose the cinematic aspects of a non-found, like, of of, of a regular movie by doing found footage, uh, I just feel like there's such a lack of subtlety and you yeah. have, and you have so many exchanges like this one where and maybe I'm too nitpicky cuz I've seen too many movies or you know I whatever I think you know I think too much about the machinations of like plot and scripts and stuff 
But for me, this is just like, hey, everybody, I hope you're paying attention because we're going to talk about this DV camera that that he has because uh, who knows? Maybe it'll come up again later. Yeah, it'll come up again later. You know, and... And it does come up again later, but I will save my thoughts on it coming up again later for when it comes up again later. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I guess it's implying that he's the one who shot the footage. That's what I took it to mean at the time when I was watching it. See, for that me... So- somehow, or, or he found <laughs> the camera, I don't know. I see no so to me this just feels like clumsy filmmaking. See, I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like you're doing work for them and what I'm getting out of this is that they are just like for anybody who doesn't pay a whole lot of attention, they're waving their big fucking semaphore flags going like, "Hey, make sure you register the piece of information that this camera is an old DV camera like the tapes that got found because Right. Because it comes up of course, there's just it's all for that payoff. We're just going to spoil the end now. Yeah. It's all for the payoff of seeing that the person in the mirror at the beginning of the movie that uh is Lisa. Right. Shooting right. with and then, Lane's recovered camera. Right, exactly. Yeah. And those so yes, you're right. Um I I guess I I am clear on that. Right. I what I I guess what I more meant was in the moment, yeah. No, why, I know. why are they making such a big deal about? Well, and and know? I think you and I just disagree on this. And I because I understand what you're saying, and it is possible. I'm not saying that that your explanation doesn't make sense. Yeah. But, no, but, but I think your explanation is right. That it, it's just, I, I I'm just trying mm, to go through like what I was thinking yeah. as I was watching the movie mm. in this time. Like, why sure. are they making such a big deal about this? Okay. And then you see the end. You're like, okay, I guess that is. But like in the moment, is Lisa? Acu- what is Lisa accusing him of? Right. You know what I mean? Because yeah. she does it in an, accus- in an accusatory way. So it's like, what is what is going on in her mind that makes that camera so suspicious? Yeah, and and I think that the answer is nothing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> She's not motivated by anything except. No, go ahead. Yeah. I would say it's completely unnecessary because the next thing that happens is he bends over to look at her foot that's hurt and she sees that the rope in his backpack is the same rope from the stick man last mm-hmm. night. Yeah. So he was he was the one who was hanging up the stick man. How could you fucking recognize rope A? But okay, fine. <laughs> fine. Yeah. Tal- Talia ends up coming clean and say and says that they were uh you know, they were the ones that hung up the stick man, but they didn't make the weird noises in the woods and also everybody slept till 2. How could that be possible? Fair they get point. into an argument. It's a fair point. They get into an argument, and uh, basically, uh, Peter accuses them of putting sleeping pills in their water, and they cast Talia and Lane away. Yeah, Peter almost fights Lane. He gets to do his very aggro thing. Mm-hmm. That it just feels kind of clunky. So they're getting lost in the woods, trying to hike out. The GPS isn't working. They get. They walk in circles all the way back to the camp from the night before. Lisa's foot is super fucked up. It keeps making these really gross, like, snapping twig noises. Yeah. Which was... I don't know if you you can remember the first time you saw this, but, like, was that noise recognizable to you then? Because my girlfriend... As a snapping twig? Yeah, or, like, snapping branch or something like that. And I, I felt like it was... It sounded more like bone. 
You know, okay. like a breaking bone. Yeah. See, so so my girlfriend and I watched it, and she wasn't sure. Like, I think she didn't that. I don't think that that played for her. But I was convinced that it was some sort of tree related thing mm-hmm. because it sounded like the snapping of a branch. And also just because it seemed like something they would try to do because of the kind of themes within these films of all the branch and tree stuff. Right, right. Yeah, and I think there are some um, drawings, at least I saw, maybe in, in I had like a prequel comic book mm-hmm. that came out after the first movie. And I believe they show the witch as having like, like root legs, basically, like kind of yeah. like part part tree herself. Yeah, and I think that's something that I read after the fact and it helped sort of sketch in some glimpses of what we see towards the climax of the movie. Yeah. They're walking in circles. Uh they make up their tent, the camp for the night. Ashley is freezing, she has a fever. Uh Peter's super worried about her. <laughs> she looks like shit. She looks like shit. <laughs> he looks he looks at her foot. And it's all kinds of fucked up. And he's like, yeah, it's just a little bit irritated. Yeah. And then it bulges. It makes yeah. that twig the, noise. Yeah, something moves in there. And at this point, I was like pretty convinced. I was like, okay, there's like tree branches growing inside of her. That's like what mm. I thought. Which I think is, again, like a, like an early spoiler, what, what is supposed to be the case. Yes. But I think the movie really botches the quote-unquote reveal of that. Reveal of it, yeah. Yes. Uh, so they send the drone up to try to find the road and Peter comes out of the tent to talk to James about, um, Ashley. Yeah. (laughs) As you go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. You take, (laughs) I was going to say, Mike pointed out that they treat the, uh, tents in this movie as if they're freestanding structures with walls that are, that are somewhat soundproof. Cause there's, there's just like, um, well, there's two moments. One is this one where it's like he he tells he tells her he's like it's fine, it's fine, it's not that bad. We're just gonna rebandage it. Then he gets up, walks three feet away outside the tent, <laughs> and proceeds to talk to James about how fucked up her foot is and like how bad they need to get someone to look at it. It's like she's she's next to you. She's still next to you. There's just yeah. a piece of fabric between you. And <laughs> yeah, there do- is no hiding in a tent or and no, they- like. Yeah, well, yeah, and they do the scene. I think it already happened. Did the did the walkie-talkie scene already happen, or is that coming later? Uh, which walkie-talkie? They're scene? talking on walkie-talkies in their tents, and it's like, is anyone there? Yeah, yeah, is- yeah, yeah, yeah. That that already happened. Yeah, there's like a whole thing where they're like having a conversation on a walkie-talkie, and it's like your tents are ten feet away. Just, just yell. Just you don't even have to yell. Just talk at a at a normal <laughs> volume. Uh, sorry. Okay. Anyways, uh, so um, Peter decides he's gonna go take a piss in the woods, or he's gonna go look for firewood. Really. Yeah. Uh, and he puts on his like earpiece GoPro. Um, his walkie-talkie starts making crazy noises, and his flashlight starts flickering. And it sounds like almost like coyotes or a big rumbling roar is behind him. And he starts running. The flashlight goes on and off. We hear something chasing him. Meanwhile, James is setting up this IR camera, which is infrared camera. It can see in the dark. I was expecting this whole time 
for the, there to be some sort of big payoff where like yeah. they check the footage later and they see like a movement or they mm-hmm. see something or even just does, something unexplainable, you know, yeah, a, a loss of time. But no, big big whoop. He sets up this camera. They even say like, okay, I hope the batteries hold up, and then they don't. And the next yeah. the next day after a bunch of crazy shit happens, he's like, well, let's check the camera, and the fucking camera's dead. And it's like. Why did we ever have to spend any time on this stupid camera that never yeah. worked? Yeah. I don't know. Well, then we cut back to, to Peter, what he's going through, and a fucking tree falls on him. Yeah. Yeah, he's, like, running through the forest and being chased, and it's there's crazy noises and stuff. And then, yeah, it seems like trees are the real villains in this movie. Yeah, those, like, lightning-blown-apart trees. It's really just, like, some energy knocking the trees down. Yeah. So... The tree lands on him. He gets snatched away. So body count, I guess, is up to one. Although, we never see him really die. Uh, so, yeah. He, uh, f- then James hears it. He goes running into the woods looking for him. And uh, from his point of view, we see the tree and Peter's flashlight. But Peter's gone. Mm-hmm. Back at the camp, Lisa's checking out that nifty new... IR camera that totally comes in handy <laughs> when Ashley comes out of nowhere and scares the shit out of her. Um, she feels like crap, looks like crap, wants to know where Peter is. James gets back and double jump scares the shit out of them. And Lisa just says, would everybody <laughs> stop doing that? Which I thought was funny. Also agreed. Yeah. Please stop. Uh, so in the tent, James and Lisa hear what sounds like a tree branch breaking and they investigate uh so okay yeah they're in the tent they hear it they go outside and it's lane and talia Mm -hmm. and lane doesn't want to go anywhere near them and he asks them when was the last time you saw us they're all dirty and scraggly they're all dirty it looks like they've been through fucking hell uh and they say for them it's been five days and the sun's not coming up they look like shit talia wants food uh but lane refuses to get close to them so they're setting up this time loop thing Mm -hmm. lane and talia have been experiencing time differently from ashley peter all the other or i guess right now it's just sort of time fuckery we don't have fuckery it's not really a time loop yeah we don't have the loop yet i mean but it yeah um so then um basically peter's uh, sorry uh lane says all right these people are gonna die i'm not i'm not gonna be here for it and he leaves he leaves talia the, the next morning, Lisa's alarm goes off, but it's still dark outside. And they open the tent, and there are Cairns and Stickmen everywhere. Way more Stickmen than before. And these mm-hmm. Stickmen, they're, they're authentic, baby. One of them's huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Talia starts freaking out. She says they have to go. Ashley's acting weird. Um, then Talia notices that the Stickmen... Or actually, they're not bound by rope. They're bound with her hair. Mm-hmm. Her, so she recognizes set, her own weird purple hair in one of yeah, them. Yeah, because she has, like, purple hair. Yeah. Um, Ashley accuses her of doing this again, like last time. And she takes one of the stick men, and she snaps it. And fucking Talia breaks in half. Yeah. Big jump I like here. this part. This is probably... And, you know, credit where credit is due. This is a cool moment, and I think part of the reason why is because this is something new. This is something different that's not just a retread of mm-hmm. of ground we've covered in the first yeah. movie, you know? You're right. It's, it's, it, it's, it is a new addition 
<laughs> not Bobby Brown, my friends, <laughs> but it's something new. Um, and to that be isn't cl- just recounting like the previous movie. Yeah, and to be clear, like you, I guess you could make the argument that there's a ton of new stuff coming. But my issue with a lot of the quote-unquote new stuff, especially towards the climax of this movie, is it's really just showing us too much of mm-hmm. of things that we already have experienced or know about. Like, there's so much mystery and cool um, less-is-more approach to the scares in the first movie. Yeah. And I think in, in the podcast when we, we talked about the first movie I mentioned the Jaws thing and Spielberg talking about how if he had made Jaws if he could make Jaws again he would never show the shark and it's like the guys who made this movie certainly didn't take that to heart they're like no you know they be- show the shark in this one yeah you know it'd be cool is if we just showed so much of the shark yeah um, and this is at least something different this is uh you know like a like a manta ray that shows up that wasn't there before <laughs> Uh, a tent, one of the tents just flies off into the air. They get the fuck out of there. Um, so they get separated, but Lisa ends up finding James, but they can't find Ashley. And, um, uh, so away, f- they can't find Ashley. At, we cut to Ashley's point of view. She's trying to walk on her fucked up foot. She notices that her leg now is bleeding. It's not yeah. just her foot. There's it's up like to a her hole calf. in her leg. Yeah, it's no good. Yeah. She touches it, and pus just squirts out. Super gross. It's super gross. I kind of liked this part because it was so gross. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> and it seems like there's something in there. There's something moving. And she pulls it out, and I wrote, it's a fucking bug. A centipede-looking thing. Yeah. I don't think it's a fucking bug. No. Our experience watching the movie was, this, this is what happened with us. What is that? I don't know. I, I read that it's supposed to be a root. Right, which is what I th- like. What we thought was in her, and I guess yeah. it was. It just doesn't look like that at all. It looks like a bug. It looks like it, yeah. And it's like this is HD. This isn't, you know. There's no excuses like the first one. This mm-hmm. isn't shot on high. This isn't shot on on you know sixteen mil. This is. They just it's underlit and it's not clear what it is, and they just kind of mishandle this. And I think, yeah. and also. Uh, yeah, well, let's let's move forward, and then I'll say something else about Ashley and her her character arc in a second. Yeah, well, she sees a drone, the drone in the tree that got stuck. Uh, did I mention that the drone got stuck in a tree? Yeah, uh, I don't know if we did, but anyways, they yeah, when yeah. they were using the drone, they lost it. It got stuck in a tree, and everybody yeah, I guess was I like, "I didn't mention that." Yeah, every uh, member so- of the audience went. I'm completely shocked that their technology did not function properly in the Blair Witch Woods. (laughs) So um, she she decides that the only way to get this this drone is to climb this tree. And I like this sequence too. Why does she need the drone? What's she going to do? I guess she's going to use it to try to, again, try to find everybody else. If I'm doing work for the movie, it's never really stated. But like maybe she just wants to use it to get eyes in the sky kind of, you know. Yeah, in the middle of the night. <laughs> in the middle of the night, yeah. So I actually really like this sequence. Uh, she starts climbing this big tree. There's some like nice branch creaks. It's stressful. Um, we get to the point of view where we're at the level with a drone, so we can see mm-hmm. her 
It's really yeah. tense. It's shot well. I thought I thought this was a good little self-contained bit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So she goes to reach for it, and then a hand comes out of nowhere and grabs her. That scares her. She falls, hits the ground, and then something just drags her off camera. Yeah. Presumably falling to her death. Was that what were you going to say? Death count? Uh, up to three. Yeah, sorry. I wanted to cut you. I was trying to cut you off. I wasn't trying to cut you off, but... So, uh, the branch the the branch journey mm-hmm. is now completely moot, right? Yeah, because she just dies. We're, yeah, you're right. You know, when you're right, you're right. It, she doesn't, like, turn into a tree person. She doesn't mutate any further. She just yeah. pulls that thing out of her leg, so we get that gross moment, and then she dies. Yeah, it really, it's kind of, it's pretty lame. I think it's pretty lame. I never thought about it. I mean, right. I... You're making me think about it, Mike. I guess at the end of the day, you're making me think about my own flaws. It's <laughs> not your fault. It's, <laughs> it's Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett's fault. <laughs> uh, Peter and Lisa hear screaming. And at this point, I wrote down, it's just too heavy on the digital glitching. Because mm-hmm. like pretty much any sort of high uh, stress situation, it starts like glitching out. Yeah. Um, it, it, they just rely a little too heavy on it. I'm maybe it's maybe it's functional. Maybe it's to cover cuts. Yeah. I'm not really sure, but it gets annoying after a while for me. I, I uh, agree with both of those points. I think that it is annoying, and I think that you're right. It's probably serves a practical purpose. Um, so it starts to pour, and they finally get to Rustin Parr's house. Uh, there's a light on on the top floor, and they hear a woman screaming. And James makes probably one of the craziest leaps in logic <laughs> and says that it's his sister, Heather. Yeah. And if I'm going to do more work for this movie and I'm doing too much work for this movie, maybe the woods are changing it. Maybe the witch is getting into his head. You know what I mean? Right. That's, that's, that's my defense of him doing this. And I, I think that that's plausible. However, they've not earned it. They have not established it. No. It would be different if he started cha- his personality, which barely exists. Yeah. If he had changed it a little bit. I'm criticizing this movie with love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me, there's no progression here. And this is such an insane like position that he just takes where he's like, I have to go in there. That's my sister. and it's That's like- my sister who's been missing for 20 years it's that doesn't make any fucking sense yeah and and despite being a whole fucking nothing burger for this entire movie he's at least been fairly sane he's been kind of a you know he and lisa both have managed to maintain a real sort of yeah they're like the voice of reason in this yeah and and i i think you know the first movie uh does a much better job of painting out a, like a, a progression specifically i think i'd mentioned before to you uh mike kind of goes on a journey in the first movie yes of becoming more and more unhinged as things go along and it's like you see it unravel and the thing is you know we've talked about this before and i'll talk about it again i think you almost get these you get better work in these moments from the first movie because of the restrictions they had to work with because yeah. they didn't have cool special effects. They didn't have a lot of money. So what could they do? They had to have character moments. They had to have people talking, 
you know? And so that movie takes time to paint these three characters. It also probably benefits from the fact that there's three of them instead of six. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, there's too many characters. Yeah, but they, but, you know, Mike gets to go on a journey where we see him become crazier by the end. Whereas this, it's just... And this is something that I, I I really vented about uh in the lost in the lost episode. <laughs> um but I wanna I wanna bring back this point again because it rang really true for me. There are a lot of character decisions here in this movie that are that seem entirely just like plot machinations. They're not based in the characters uh emotions they're they're like and then any kind of organic decision making it's all just like okay we need to get them in the house so he's gonna need to go in the house because his sister's in the house so he'll just say that as yeah. a as opposed to letting the you know there's this idea that you kind of let the characters that you create as a writer write the plot you know because they people should do things in in movies and tv and stories that make sense you know in terms of their motivations and the reference that i brought up was game of thrones was a was something that in the last couple seasons i feel like you could feel the the story getting away from the real motivations of the characters and just people making dumb decisions because it's what needed to happen to move a plot forward Yes, yes. Um, it's all about plot and not character. Yeah. Um, it, and it doesn't ring true when that's the case. You know what? I was just thinking as you were saying that, um, that like even little bits, like if they were to pepper in him hearing, if he, if he was like, wait, what did you say? To Lisa. Yeah. yeah. And she'd be like, I didn't say anything. Like I could have sworn somebody said something. And then that escalates to like, I heard my sister yelling or something mm-hmm. like, that. like I know my sister's voice, but they, they, they don't do any of that. So now yeah. this just kind of comes out of nowhere. And if they did do it in two viewings, I missed it. So <laughs> I apologize, Adam Wingard, if you did do that, but he didn't do it very well. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it it would have gone like a little bit goes a long way mm-hmm. with, in all of these things. I also read that they shot, they had to do a lot of reshoots in this movie okay. and that they shot a lot of stuff and were very worried if they were even had like enough to make a movie with at huh. certain points. Um, so and it is that sort of, it, it, it's that mumble gore, like let's just shoot a bunch of shit, right? Improvise a bunch of stuff and let's see what we got. We'll make something out of it. Uh, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and it, Call- and it, it, it's interesting to take that approach with something that actually does have a budget and does have like special effects that are required. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, there's and- no fuck. You can't mess around when there's a giant VFX shot. Well, hundred percent. And and so a little more kind of behind the scenes stuff here. When these guys talk about how they wrote quote unquote this movie and how they kind of sketched it out. It was all about what they refer to as scares. Like, yeah. so when they were plotting this movie, they plotted moments that they hoped would make the audience jump, right? Scary things. And that's what they hung a whole plot on. And I just don't think, I mean, I, I know it is hard to make movies and I don't want to seem like a guy who's just here to criticize people for doing their best but it's like that to me is the wrong approach the right approach is to 
have a real story yeah. uh, that makes sense. And let the sense. scares come from that. Yeah. Um, okay, so he runs inside. Uh, we get a bunch. He, he sees a woman running away from her. He thinks it's Heather. Eventually, he gets locked into a room, and it slams shut, mm-hmm. locking him in there. At one point, he sees Peter facing a wall. He disappears. Anyway, Lisa's outside calling to him. Uh, she refuses to go inside, which I thought was good, but then she turns and sees a naked woman in the woods and that gives her the motivation she needs to go inside. Uh, a whole bunch of bullshit happens. She goes into the basement. Someone pops out at her, another jump scare and it's lane. Yeah. And he has a beard. Yeah. He's even scragglier than before. Scragglier than before. And he, and he says, you look exactly as I remember insinuating that there's been a big passage of time for him. And he's rambling about how she has to do, uh, he has to do what what she tells him to do, the witch, basically. Right. And throws Lisa into a hole. <laughs> yeah. And so I think right here, they want to give us that, you know, Lane has sort of assumed the Rustin Parr role yes. in, this, in this new, which I think works. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem yeah. with this. I don't um, either. Yeah. I know you do have a problem with what's to come. Uh, <laughs> we do get a really nice sequence. It's very tense, very claustrophobic, where Lisa has to crawl through the tunnels yeah. underneath Rustin's house. And if they're that legendary, you would think they would be bigger, but they're not. <laughs> she, at one point, she gets stuck. She starts to panic, and she finally yeah. calms herself down. Um it's, it's really just, uncomfortable. It's uh, really uncomfortable. And it's like a fear that I have of like getting caught in a small space. And it's, yeah, it definitely worked. It definitely made me feel uh, uneasy. Yes, absolutely. Um, so something's chasing her. She busts through the wall in the, you know, this like dirt. She hall. gets to the end of the tunnel. Yeah. End of the tunnel. And then she's just back in the basement. Yeah. And the spatial logistics make zero sense. Because she got right. she got dropped in a hole six feet under the ground. And then at no point did we ever see her climb upwards. Right. And then all and of then a sudden she's just... Above where she was before. Yeah. And, and, and something that I pointed out in the last time we talked about this was that it's like, it's a, it's kind of a metaphor... For for a lot of things that happen here, where it's just like, it's just nothing new. She just like she crawls through a tunnel for the sake of crawling through a tunnel. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. It's it just get her anywhere. Yeah, she literally and figuratively gets nowhere. She ends up back in the same room with Lane again, right. and and it's and it's just it and it really does feel like a thing where these guys were like, oh yeah, we should do a scene where she's crawling through like a claustrophobic tunnel. That'll be really creepy. And like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's shoot it. Okay. How does this make sense in the story? It doesn't really just put it in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't argue with you. I, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I feel like I'm always like uh, I'm back on my heels with this movie because I because I like watching it the second yeah. time along. You're but, not. Uh, I, I at no point do I want you to feel like you're wrong for enjoying it. I just no, no, yeah, yeah. I I don't. But it, you're every criticism you're bringing up is valid. Um, so then something somebody jumps out at her. It's Lane. She stabs him in the neck. He dies. Body count goes up to four. Um. 
so then she's back up in the house walking around and this fucking long armed nude witch, I guess is chasing her. So this is where we see the shark really like, right. I guess that woman in the woods, be she the Blair witch or whatever. I don't know. This might be the Blair witch. I don't know, but we see what's been pursuing them. Yeah. It is fucking creepy. I don't still don't really want to see the Blair witch. No. Do, yeah, do we gain anything from it? Not really. No. 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 And it would probably be more effective if it were invisible. Uh, that's why Bird Box was so good. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> did you see Bird Box? No, but they're invisible. Yeah, well, you can't see it. If you see it, you die. Okay, uh, right, right. So, right. like, you know, you have to cover your eyes. Okay. Um, yeah. It's not as bad as. I mean, it's fine. It's a fine. It's, it's all right. <laughs> It's no Blair Witch, but it's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's chasing her. She runs up the stairs. And then there we see, for a second, there's a glimpse of her in the mirror. It's the same shot from the viral video they were watching before. So yeah. somehow, time loops from this point forward. Yeah. And this, again, feels like another thing where I can just imagine someone going like, oh, this would be cool. And then, right. and then, you know, if there's like a voice of reason in the room, that person goes, okay, how do we make this work? How is this going to make sense? And they're just like, uh, don't worry about it. It's like, what? okay, cool. There's a time, I guess there's a time loop. Why? How? How does this, I mean, like, I, again, I want to suspend my disbelief and like enjoy a horror movie. Yeah. But it, doing some research, um... I read that there were some fan theories from the first movie about how they're on a time loop. There's definitely some time stuff in the second movie, mm-hmm. which is discounted. Like this movie pretends that that movie didn't happen, but there is, there is some stuff in there. I guess it's something that's been hinted at in the past, but I, why? Yeah. What makes them so special? I, I guess to <laughs> bend time and space to get them into the spot that they so that you know what I, I why them right because if know. I because if I follow if I play this string out then and I say okay let's say anything's possible but like what is even the motivation behind this so is it is it that the Blair Witch wants them to come to the cabin? So she puts the tapes out yeah. back in time. Like, it's just like, I guess it's, it's yeah. just kind of headache inducing and not in a way that's like, whoa, trippy. It's just kind of confusing. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I feel beaten down, but you're right. Um, <laughs> this is an abusive relationship. I, I shouldn't oh, be in this no. right now. No, I'll be better. <sighs> I, I swear. I yeah. Yeah, that's that's what you always say. I love you, Eric. Okay, so she gets reunited with James in the attic. Light floods the room as if there's a UFO landing outside. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't make a ton of sense, but whatever. Um, they get into a corner and face the wall because there's something trying to get into the room. Yeah, the James, James figured it out, right? He's like, you got to stand in the corner. He grabs Lisa, pulls her into the corner. Right, so they're, right. They're both standing in the corner. You can't look at her. Whatever you do, you can't look. Don't look at the arc. 
Whatever you do, you'll die. You'll fucking die. Mm -hmm. They're in the corner. James thinks he hears Heather's voice, and he turns around (laughs) and is immediately snatched away. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so much for a plan. (laughs) Body counts up to five. Yeah, and something to be clear, because this is going to piss me off again in a second, that Lisa clearly sees happen and understands what has happened. Yes. She says, who are you talking to? to him the moment before he dies. And I think she can clearly grasp that, like, you know, he turned around and got fucking eaten or whatever the hell happens to you. Yeah. So she uses the camera. This is kind of cool to, like, look around her. Mm -hmm. Uh, They see that long-limbed creature behind her. It runs off. But then she hears James say, Lisa, I'm so sorry. And she's like, James? She turns around to look and boom, she's gone. Body count goes up to six. End yeah. of the movie. She's learned nothing. So Lisa eats it. Um, and it makes, it's again, it's just a thing where it's like, I wish they give her character a little more credit. Like she was the one who didn't want to go into the house in the first place. Yeah. And it's just like, what? So she just, and again, it's like they could do a little bit of extra work to sort of, suggest to us like the the sort of uh esp like abilities of the blair witch does she do some kind of mind fucking and like she talks to them in voices and stuff like obviously that's the implication here but it's just there's no build up to it there's nothing to support it it's just like oh yeah this character who's been pretty smart through most of this movie is just going to be super dumb right now because the movie's over and she needs to die yeah yeah, no, it is it is a frustrating experience. I say watch it again. You you own it. You own it now, so I you do may as well. I'm going to make it a weekly thing. Every <laughs> every Thursday night I'm going to sit down and watch 2016's Blair Witch. Okay, so wrapping this up, we have a few points that we'd like to hit here as we wrap up these movies. Uh, first off, you know, there are a few characters in the movies. I would say uh, Fear is a character in this movie. Um, <laughs> You're stupid. I know. <laughs> Who would you say is your favorite character in 2016's Blair Witch? Um, I thought almost all of these characters were very poorly sketched and kind of annoyingly one note or, in honestly, in the case of James and Lisa, like zero note. Um, so the only one who's sort of interesting to me is Lane. Um, he does, he, he gets to go through a little on a journey, you know, he changes a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he has some complex emotions. So yeah, it's a low bar to clear, but I would say that he is the one that I enjoy the most. You definitely agree with him politically. Um, <laughs> <Fuck you. laughs> it's the second time I've made that joke. <laughs> Stings just as bad. <laughs> Uh, for me, um, I I do enjoy Kelly Hernandez. I thought she did a great job as Lisa, given what little she had. But uh, I think probably her, she's my, you know, that whole claustrophobia, yeah. crawling, crawling through the tunnels. She does a great job with it. Um, there aren't a lot to like with their other characters, to be honest. <laughs> so it's yeah. pretty slim pickings. It is. Uh, um, so one thing we like to talk about here is moments that age the worst. Uh, this movie is only four years old. You know, that could always encompass like, you know, racial insensitivity <laughs> that at some point seemed like it was right. fine, but it never really was. Or special effects that don't age well. 
in this case, I don't really know that there's much in here that it all feels pretty modern. Yeah. I'm sure it won't age well. Uh, but <laughs> for me, there's no, there's nothing really I can point to that they're like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. And, and for me, again, it's not uh, like it's not really a question of aging because the movie should have known better in 2016. But my whole spiel about their use of the Confederate flag, I think, is pretty tone deaf. Um, and so for me, you know, since the moment that aged worst often ends up being just a dumping ground for uh, uh, non PC moments, that that'll be mine. I'll just I'll say the Confederate flag. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, of course, best death. Not yeah. a lot of death on screen deaths in this movie. No, uh, I think for me, it has to be that Talia being broken in half. With like the voodoo doll stick man, that's very shocking when it happened. It you know mm-hmm. even the second time around, it it surprised me. Yeah, no, I'm with you, hundred percent. We're in agreement. This the that was a cool moment, and honestly, I think it's like the only death where we really get to see from a third person perspective on screen. So yeah, um, yeah, I'll take For, it. <laughs> uh, so then we like to rate the scariness of these movies. On something we like to call the Carpenter Scale, that's a theory that all of these movies fall within the oeuvre of of uh, John Carpenter, a zero usually being either Starman or the made-for-TV Elvis movie, and then a ten would be The Thing mm-hmm. or Halloween. Uh, for me, I'd say that this movie falls somewhere in the fog territory. Yeah, well, you stole it from me because we did this yesterday and I got to go first. You're right. Um, but uh, but I'll tell you what. I, yeah, so my justification was that this movie is trying to be scary, and it succeeds at at a few points, but I think mostly fails. Um, eh, but but it's like, it's a scary movie. You know, some movies kind of just fail to even take up that cause, really. And so I want to give it credit for at least trying. And so I think The Fog is, is, a, is a... I mean, honestly, for me, now that I'm thinking about it more... I'm going to go with Christine. I'm changing my vote. Oh, wow. Unprecedented. Yeah, because yeah, I think the fog is scary. I think the fog is scarier than this movie is. Yeah. Christine is a movie that wants you to get scared of an old car. And it tries <laughs> really hard, but it does not succeed. Yeah. And, and I have one other thing I want to say about the Carpenter scale. Mm-hmm. There's uh, fans of the podcast who go all the way back to our early days Mm-hmm. know that it's been a long-standing debate as to which is the least scary John Carpenter movie. Mm-hmm. Is it Starman or is it made for TV Elvis? Mm-hmm. And as you've always liked to point out, there is a scene in Starman that scares you, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it which... scared me as a kid when his bones are growing and you hear him cracking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I've always said, sure, sure, I guess. But here's my argument. The made-for-TV Elvis movie, although neither of us has ever seen it. No, uh, I never saw it. <laughs> um, we assume it's not scary. However, I it's it might be, it would make a lot of sense if it was a cautionary tale about drug abuse. You yeah, know. Um, you're right. That stuff can be awfully scary. So I call shenanigans on you, Eric Aslan. I think there's only one way to find out, and I don't want to ruin what our next series is going to be, <laughs> but it might be those two movies. No, Maybe. it's not. But. I, I, I've always thought, um, I not always thought, but 
I'd ha- I've had this thought a couple times that you know how regular movie podcasts uh, frequently will do in the month of October, like they'll do horror movies, right? <laughs> do you think we should do the opposite of that? Yeah, like it. What if? What if? <laughs> What if if in October we just did, like, like the Major League series? (laughs) (laughs) I do love that. Uh, If we we didn't actually have to follow through on the whole thing, it would be pretty damn funny. It would be pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Because we could only do the Halloween series once. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. The next Halloween or, or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We're putting our... One of these Halloweens will do Major League Three back to the minors. <laughs> and then the next one will do like Revenge of the Nerds or something. Ooh, yeah. Wanna talk about moments Police that age worst. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> oh Real Revenge, bad. Revenge of the Nerds is a movie that I love so much, but it gets harder to watch every year. It really does. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> So before we move on to our final segment, uh-huh. um, we like to say if these movies are worth your time or not. If you're just skipping through the Blair Witch Project series, should you watch Blair Witch? Um, you know, there's only three movies. You have time to watch all three. <laughs> yeah. But so, Mike, I'll I'll I'll, I'll I'll stumble over my words a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so, Mike. I'll ask you, do you think that 1926 is... <laughs> He's losing it, folks. Yeah, Jesus. Okay, we have a whole episode to record after this. <laughs> All right, Mike, I'll put it to you. Should people seek out and watch Blair Witch? Um, all right, pros. This movie is short. It's 90 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is craftsmanship on display. Mm-hmm. There is some creative use of modern film technology. Uh, there are some sequences that are shot pretty well. Um, it looks like they spent money on it. Uh, I think that the story is severely lacking. I think that the character development is severely lacking. Um, I got to save some comments for our wrap up episode. Uh, but I will just say that I think you could explain this movie to somebody in about two minutes if you had Mm -hmm. to. And, and when that's the case and on top of that, it's not really entertaining for me. I got to say, no, I would not recommend this movie. Okay. That's fair. I I will say a reluctant, Yes. Um, if you're a fan of the first movie, come in with lower ex- lowered expectations. There are enough scares, enough good sequences, I think, to, uh, to get you through. It's like pretty short runtime, like an hour and 20 something minutes. It's not long. Uh, it's, n- you know, it's not going to blow your mind. It's nowhere near the uh, effectiveness of the first movie. It's definitely way more straightforward than the second movie, if that's something you value. Check it out. I don't know. It's, it's you know, not going to go down in the history books as one of the best movies ever made, but there's enough in there that if you're a horror fan, you like found footage movies, perhaps, check it out. It's worth seeing, I think. All right. 
Well, I think that's fair. I don't think you're a psychopath for for thinking that. Um, so that wraps up our coverage of 2016's Blair Witch. We are going to take a very brief break, and then we will be back with our last segment. Hey guys, Eric here. There's a new Vampire Diaries podcast in Mystic Falls. That's right, the Vampiti Diaries. What is the Vampiti Diaries? It's a hilarious after-show podcast where a fella named Pete, who has never seen the hit CW show The Vampire Diaries, discusses each episode with a superfan. New episodes of the pod come out every bloodthirsty Thursday on Apple Podcasts. And uh, yeah, the hosts, Peter Harmon and Ashley, they're great people. He's a very funny author. He's written some great books. Uh, and he's been a guest on some of my podcasts and his wife is an absolute delight and check them out guys. It's going to be fun. If you like the, uh, vampire diaries, if you want to get into the vampire diaries, or if you just want to hear two people talk about the vampire diaries and don't want to watch a show, which would be weird. All right, guys, back to our podcast. Okay, guys, we have one final segment here. It is something that is brand new to the uh, podcast and we're calling it Mary F. Kill. We can say fuck, you loser. Well, I thought it stood for French. Oh, you did, huh? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, Mary Fuck Kill. Which, which edition? Yeah, this is definitely not problematic at all. It's just no, just two straight white guys talking about <laughs> marrying, fucking, and fucking killing witches. Killing witches. <laughs> So I'm going to present us with uh, several groups of three witches. And then, of course, we have to choose whether we marry that witch, we fuck that witch. (laughs) It just sounds worse the more I say it. We French that witch. Yeah, sure. Or we kill that witch. Yeah, okay. And I just want to clarify for anybody who's never actually played this game, it's just a thought experiment, okay? This isn't real. Um, and also I can't speak for Eric, but for me, uh, you know, everything that happens here is consensual, right? So what do you mean? You can't speak for me in that regard. I mean, I know you have, you and I have differing opinions on these things sometimes. No, we don't. (laughs) Yeah. We have the same opinion on this. You're a bit of a wild card. That's an established fact. Um, (laughs) Not, not in this way though. Um, yes, I like to mix it up and be a source of chaos, but not in this regard. Yeah. I take consent very seriously. Yeah, so even in this imaginary hypothetical situation, uh, the marriage is not like an arranged marriage. It's something that all parties have agreed to in good faith. Uh, uh-huh. s- same with any sexual congress that may take place. <laughs> and then the, in the what about the killing? When the killing thing is like, I always thought of it as like you don't actually have to kill them. It's just like ah, kill that, you know, like cut the power. You shun them. Yeah, I never see you again ever. Yeah. Um, All right. The killing's still kind of problematic. What are you gonna do? Yeah, it is. It it's is. a horror movie podcast. People die constantly. <laughs> okay. For our first group of witches that I present to thee, we have Professor McGonagall from <laughs> Harry Potter. I think she's a witch. Yeah. Uh, the Wicked Witch of the West from The Wizard of Oz. Uh-huh. And whatever Angelica Houston's character's name is from The Witches. From The Witches. Okay. 
Well, I'll walk through my thought process first, I guess. Yeah. Um, eh, okay. So I'm going to go ahead and just right off the bat, we're going to kill the Wicked Witch of the West. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Here's the thing. Angelica Houston, very complicated, right? Because, like, Angelica Houston in Angelica Houston mode, total fox. Yeah, uh, for sure. But then when she takes off all of her human makeup in the witches, she's like the grossest witch ever, maybe. Uh, yes. A really scary witch. So I think by that logic, I'm going to go with F, Angelica Houston and witches, because I'm going to assume that I can, ex- I can exert a little bit of decision making with the timing you know mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. be like well the effing is only going to last for so long you know like i'm no superman um <laughs> and then i'm going to marry professor mcgonagall um because she is uh you know she's responsible she's an educator uh yeah she's she's warm i mean she's like very she's got like a cold stern exterior but all, everybody knows she cares about her, her students and everything yeah so. ultimately she has a mushy interior yeah exactly so <laughs> so that's my mfk i'm gonna go mary mcgonagall fuck angelica houston and kill the wicked witch of the west how about you um, so yeah going through this list i think it's that's probably the only way to play this Professor McGonagall, you've already said it. She's fantastic character. She's sweet. She's smart. Uh, talented. <laughs> wicked. Have you seen, wicked Witch of the. Have you seen any say? Harry Potter movies? I have. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm just I guess she's not really. She's not very sweet. Okay. Um, the Wicked Witch of the West. Uh, yeah, she doesn't really bring a lot to the table. She's green. Yeah. yeah. That's, that, that's I don't, I don't, I don't like that. She has yeah. warts on her nose. Yeah. Uh, she might be a fox if, if you <laughs> made her up like, like a nineties teen comedy where you just take the glasses off of the frumpy girl. Maybe. I don't have that kind of time. No, no. Who does? I'm a working man. Uh, yeah. So I'd have to kill her and she's just straight up evil. Yeah. Um, and then Angelica Houston, for all the reasons you've said, although hopefully not in her witch form, because that would be a very, very, you know, that would be a problem. Yeah. She's scary AF. I would struggle. Yeah. I would struggle greatly. I would get it done, but I would struggle. (laughs) (laughs) Just anybody who's not the woman I've been with for 16 years. (laughs) It's yeah, it's you, man, not me. Alright, what's our next who's our next trio? Our next trio. We have Aunt Zelda from the nineties Nickelodeon Melissa Joan Hart, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Okay. We have Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh-huh. And we have Stevie Nicks uh from the nineteen seventies. I had to specify. <laughs> Okay. This is a tough one. All right. Well, Eric, why don't you walk me through your thought process for this? Uh, okay. So I don't really have any um, affection for uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I didn't really watch it. I looked at picture- pictures of Aunt Zelda. She's a very beautiful lady, but I have no emotional connection to her whatsoever. Oof. So for that, I'm going to have to kill her. Oof. <laughs> um, oof, man. Okay. Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer 
She is super lovable. I haven't finished the series yet. I have like mm-hmm. one more season to go, so oh, don't wow. ruin anything for me. Okay. Don't spoil anything. She's also a stone cold fox, I believe. But I think uh, her and I could bond over reading books mm-hmm. and hanging out. I would have to marry Willow okay. from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. And then finally, Stevie Nicks in the 70s is a fucking drop-dead babe making great music, mixing it up with her various band members. Sign me up, baby. I'm here to party. Rhiannon. <laughs> so you guys are going to bone. That's what's going to happen. We're going to bone, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, for me, I think Aunt Zelda from Nickelodeon, Sabrina, is wowza. Uh, very, she's a real, she's a real good-looking lady. Um, and but I'm going to come back to her cause, cause I got some other thoughts and this is, I realized that I, 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 when we were heading into this, I was like, okay, this will be fun. I'm just going to try to like, we'll pump the brakes on like serious objectification. And I have, <laughs> both of us are just completely failed. Yeah. 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 But Hey, not great. you know what? It is what it is. We're going to soldier through, um, Willow, while I am a fan like I love the show so much and I also for better or worse always thought of myself as kind of a Xander. Um they have a real yeah. they have a real brother sister type of relationship, you know, mm-hmm. especially like especially once you get past the first couple seasons when there's mm-hmm. like a little will they won't they, but it's you know, so so one I think of Willa like a sister and two I know that she isn't really into dudes anymore. And even though in this hypothetical situation, like all the, the consent is there, I still feel like her heart's not really going to be in it. Um, oh, Alison Hannigan, you mean? No, I mean, like, Willow like, Rosenberg. Oh, okay. I don't think I've gotten that far oh, in, in the series. Then. Well, then you have more than one season left. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You fucking liar. <laughs> um but anyways uh so for that for those reasons because i love her like a sister i'm going to kill her um <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> i hate this segment <laughs> me too but it's great it's it's nothing if not captivating uh podcast we need a word like radio or television for podcast i guess it's just podcasting um, broadcasting yeah yeah um stevie nicks what can you say about stevie nicks uh yeah i mean anybody who's looked through the album inserts for rumors knows <laughs> this is one of the most beautiful women who's ever walked the planet like 1977 stevie nicks however uh she's a wild child and uh you know <laughs> i've heard her sing about enough of her ex-lovers to know that uh it's tough to keep something consistent going with oh, old Stevie. Oh, yeah, of course. So I'm going to go ahead and notch her for, for a little F sesh. Um, <laughs> a little F, little sesh. <laughs> and bring our way back to uh, Smoking Aunt Zelda. She's a homeowner uh, and, you know, also very easy on the eyes. So I'm marrying Aunt Zelda Spellman. All right. What do you say we do a couple more of these? Let's do one more. Why don't we do one more? What's your fave? All right, folks, the Blair Witch has struck several more times during the, <laughs> uh, the recording of this episode. 
This is insanity. Let's get through this last group of witches that we either have to marry, fuck, or kill. Yeah. So we're doing I present- this for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I present to you, Mike. Uh, they're going to be three groups of witches from three different movies. Spicy. We have from Hocus Pocus, Bette Midler, Kathy Najimy, and Sarah Jessica Parker, whatever their characters the, are called. The Sanderson sisters, you dick. The Sanderson sisters. Yeah. Are you recording into your microphone? Yeah, I'm recording into my fucking microphone. Okay, it looks different. I'm I'm all confused. Okay, With, then we have the witches of Eastwick, uh, who are Cher, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Don't know what their characters are called. Yeah, they're all different names. That's too confusing. And then finally, the witches from The Craft. We have Feruza Balk, Nev Campbell, Robin Tunney, and Rachel True. Mike, I'm going to hand it off to you first. Mary, <sighs> fuck, kill. The witches from Hocus Pocus, the witches of Eastwick, and The Craft. All right. Well, this is really tough because there's just, I mean. The, the is sh- it? Yeah, the, sh- <laughs> the, sheer, the sheer numbers involved. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Make things, uh, there's a lot more angles to consider. Um, oh, man. You know, um, combinations and such. Uh, Various configurations. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right. Well, here's, I mean, this is going to be, this is a heartbreaker, but let's just, let's rip this Band-Aid off. As much as I had a crush on Sarah Jessica Parker as the youngest Sanderson sister, um, that's just a group. I've never been a huge Bette Midler fan. Yeah. Um, that, that they're just, I mean, I think they're pulling up the rear, uh, unfortunately. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to interject here because I think that we're both in agreement here. Uh, although I did dance with my mother at my wedding to the wind beneath my wings. Um, <laughs> I have to say Bette Midler, Kathy Najimy and Sarah Jessica Parker. You get niced. Yeah. Okay. With that, with those formalities out of the way, I think, yeah. And I mean, again, like I, this sort of belies my age, I guess, but this also is pretty clear cut where I think that, um, assuming that all of the members of the, uh, the four points four pointed coven of the craft or of, of legal age in, in whatever <laughs> state you make residence in, um yep uh then yeah i'm gonna go ahead and uh french uh a quartet of uh high school seniors i guess this is so terrible it really is well the thing is i don't want to marry them you don't yeah no i don't want to marry the craft girls yeah i don't want to marry an 18 year old come on God, who can keep up? What a nightmare! Uh, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna. F- but I am what? No, go ahead. I am eyeing though the witches of Eastwick share Michelle Pfeiffer, Susan Susan Sarandon. Well, this is the other confusing thing about Mary Fuck Kill is it's like I know that you know the frequency with which you might engage in sexual congress with your uh, marital wife is is lower. 
um, than that of, you know, if you were newly dating. But uh, you still get to occasionally have sex with your wife. Well, I, I think for the for the spirit of the game, no. Really? You marry them, it's a sexless marriage. Oh, are you shitting me? I think so. I mean, that's the way I've always played Mary Fuck Hill. Oh, Because wow. otherwise, what's the point? Okay. You just... I- because for me, it's like, okay, you, you kill them, they're gone forever, you never see them again. Uh-huh. Fuck, you fuck them once, and then you never see them again. Right. Or marry, wait, I said, I flipped those around. Yeah. Marry, you are in a sexless marriage <laughs> with, with them for the rest of your life. Maybe I'm wrong here. I That's don't know. It's dark. That's so It is dark. dark. It's a dark game. That's why we're here, man. It's a horror podcast. Okay, fair enough. Well, listen, armed with this new information, I'm swapping. Um, if I have to be in a sexless marriage, then <laughs> then I don't know. I guess give me four 18-year-old wives. Um, no one can accuse me of being a creep. I'm not doing anything with them. Um, yeah. You know? Uh, and, yeah, l- like, uh, set me up uh, f- with the first for, for one night in heaven with Cher, Susan Sarandon, and Michelle Pfeiffer. You know, Mike, I'm in 100% agreement with you here. I think I also have to F the uh, the ladies from... Uh, Witches of Eastwick. Witches of Eastwick and marry the ladies from the craft. Uh, you know, guys, just so you're not accusing us of being total... <laughs> misogynists objectifying women we did have one version of this list with the guy from the warlock movies on it so you're welcome yeah it's definitely the guys out there that are having a problem with this um (laughs) hey guys hey fellas i know i'm talking directly to you when i say uh, okay we're gonna, i feel we're like make up for this on a future episode we'll, 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 yes we'll fix this somehow we, we promise this is not who we are <laughs> yet it came so easily to us yeah it's we're playing care we're playing characters here we're being postmodern. that's right uh okay so let's wrap this up we are I feel like we every moment's a gift that we're still recording because we've had so many problems with this record. Um next join us uh later this week. We're going to have another episode where we rank all of the uh Blair Witch movies in it, our canonical order. It'll be a nice Mike, quick one, I think. I hope so. Yeah. I don't know. We might have some discussion. We I might. I'm I'm curious. Well, I just mean because there's only three movies. You know. That's true. That's true. Uh, and then also stay tuned next uh, or later in this week. Stay tuned later in this week. We're also going to announce our next series of movies. It is a big one. It is a big it one. In case thematic for the summer. Yeah. In case you guys uh, started this series and were like, why are these guys doing these random? <laughs> like we're doling out the big boys and one of yeah. them is coming down the pipeline. So stay, yes. stay with us. Uh, Mike, you want to throw out our email and everything so people can get in touch with us if they want? Yeah, totally. Um, so if you have any questions, comments, um, suggestions for us, we love ideas for new segments. Um, let us know if the, uh, the way we're doing stuff is shitty and you hate it. Um, you know, whatever. Email us at killstreakpod at gmail.com. 
and also uh, we have uh, a new feature that won't be new to it's new to us, but you know. Um, anyways, if you go to our anchor um, hosting site, you can also leave a voicemail for us. So search for Killstreak on the Anchor podcasting app or website. And you can actually leave us a voicemail that if it is interesting enough, we might uh, play and respond to on the show. So check that out. And as always, please uh, subscribe and uh, review us, rate us on your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Overcast, whatever floats your boat. Um, Yeah, just give us a response. It helps get the podcast out there to new listeners. Yeah, it really does help us, uh, you know, and also just tell your friends about it. Yeah. Post about it on Reddit, wherever you gather with fellow horror movie fans, just tell them about Killstreak. Yeah. And as always, did you get a pedicure before you came here? <laughs>